Last week, the special music was another Christmas song that I really like. It was called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Did you realize that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? Longfellow had fallen into a deep depression in 1861 when his second wife, Frances, died. She had been sealing envelopes with hot wax when a flame caught her clothes on fire. And Henry had rushed to her aid and tried to smother the flames, but it was not in time. Frances was burned beyond recovery. She died the next day, and Henry was burned so badly he was not able to attend the funeral. A couple years later, in uh, 1863, it was on a Friday, it was Christmas Day, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, as a 57-year-old widowed father of six children, the oldest had just been nearly paralyzed in the Civil War of our country. He wrote a poem seeking to capture the dynamic dissonance of his own heart and the world that was observing Christmas at that time. He heard the bells ringing in Cambridge and the singing of peace on earth, but he observed the world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. This is the song that he wrote with some of the verses that you don't find in the hymn book. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was if if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow's carol has encouraged countless people down through the ages. We love to sing Christmas carols. We love to sing songs that talk about the birth of our Savior. But on that first Christmas, there were also Christmas songs being sung or spoken or prophesied. Songs of praise were on that first Christmas. Today we're going to look at some of the glorious words of praise and prophecy at the coming of Jesus recorded in Luke. We'll examine Christmas praise in these songs. We're going to start out with Luke chapter 1. Going to read verses 57 to 66 if you'd like to follow along up on the screen or in your Bible. The first Christmas song. Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 57 to 66. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. 
When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came time to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name his father, Zacharias. His mother answered, said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There's no one among our, your relatives who's called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he should have called him. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he spoke praises to God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these things were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea, Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you very much for that first Christmas and what we have recorded as the praises of God's people to you. I pray that as we examine these Christmas prophecies and Christmas praises today, we would learn more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask in his precious name, amen. Well, the first Christmas song that I would like to examine, I, I love to study the Bible as we go through each verse at a time. That way we don't just hit the highlights of the traditional Christmas story. We get some of the background as well. The first Christmas song was the Declaration of Zacharias. And last week, you recall, uh, Zacharias, of course, is the father of John the Baptist. He is born. John the Baptist is born in these verses Remember last week when Gabriel appeared to Zacharias and announced that he and his wife would have a son in their old age. Remember how Zacharias didn't believe the angel and said, show me a sign that this is going to happen. And the angel said, I'll show you a sign. You're not going to be able to talk for nine months. Boy, the house would have been quiet for nine months with just Elizabeth. How are you doing, Zacharias? What do you want for supper, Zacharias? I don't know if what uh, sign language would have been for bacon and egg. Well, they don't eat bacon, I'm sorry. Uh, for steak and eggs uh, for breakfast or anything. But it would have been a pretty difficult month. Well, nine months have finally come to an end. And Elizabeth gives birth, verse 57. Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. Well, when she had that baby, this old, older lady and old Zacharias and Elizabeth, the neighbors came and said, wow, amazing, a miracle is here. You had this baby. Well, the eighth day of John's birth was the day for circumcision and also naming. We find that of John. We find it also true of the Lord Jesus. A, Joy, a Jewish boy was given his name eight days after his birth at the time of circumcision. If the Jewish child was a, is a girl, they would, it would uh, have to be up to 30 days to give her a name. But it was a Jewish custom to name the first son after the father. And all the relatives of Elizabeth were in agreement that uh, you ought to name the baby Zacharias. Do you ever have that to all the, all the relatives saying, oh, you ought to pick this name, ought to, ought to pick this name? Well, they, they decided to, to say he should be called Zacharias. Well, when they asked Elizabeth, she says, no, his name's going to be John. John? 
We don't have any family members. We don't have an uncle or an aunt or a great-grandparent named John. Don't even have any third cousins twice removed named John. Why are you calling him John? His name is John. They said, well, this can't be. Let's go ask Zacharias. So they go over and ask Zacharias. He could hear, but he couldn't talk. So he said, give me, uh, well, he said, motion for a writing tablet. And on that, his name is John. He doesn't want to upset the angel anymore, so he decided to go with the flow. His name is John. As soon as he wrote that down, Zacharias regains his speech. In verse 64, it says, Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. That was the first thing out of his mouth, praise to the Lord, wondering what kind of child this boy is going to be. So he begins to utter prophecy and praise. In verse 68, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then I can imagine Zacharias holding little John in his arms and looking into his eyes and saying, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will be Go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring of, from on high has visited us. He is speaking these words to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. God opened the old priest's mouth. And he sung this hymn that give four beautiful pictures of, of the coming Messiah. As you look through that praise and that prophecy, four things about Jesus come right out to us. The first is, is the, the use of the word redeem. That means the opening of a prison door. The word redeem means to set free by paying a price, releasing a prisoner, or liberating a slave. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ came into the world, to give deliverance to the captives, salvation to the people who are in bondage, people that are in the bondage of sin. There's no way you and I could set ourselves free from our sinful condition. And Jesus Christ, and and Zechariah is praising God and saying that this one, this Messiah who is coming, will be the one to open the prison doors and redeem people. That's the first stanza of his song. Another passage talks about verses 69 to 75. He talks about the horn of salvation. And this talks about winning of a battle. The word horn is used in scripture to symbolize 
power, and victory. The picture here is that of an army about to be taken captive. Then as the enemy comes in, there is a redeemer, there is a deliverer comes and drives back the enemy. So that's what the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come to do. He is the one who's going to win the battle. You and I do not have to continue to live our lives as captives of the devil. We don't, allow, we don't have to allow him to continually to defeat us. Our Lord, our Savior has come to win the battle over sin, death, and hell. He is the one that delivers us in that battle. There's a third stanza, and that's in verse 60, 76 and 77, with using the word remission, salvation by the remission of our sins. The word remission means canceling a debt. We have a big debt. And the Lord Jesus Christ, by paying the price, canceled the debt of our sin on the cross. And John the Baptist was the one who was going to announce this one that is going to cancel all of our debts. Remember in John chapter 1, when he was, John the Baptist was teaching his own followers, as he was doing his job, preparing the way for the Messiah, all of a sudden, off to the side, he sees Jesus. And you know what he says in John one twenty nine? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is coming to cancel our debts. So Zacharias includes that in his song, the fourth stanza of Zacharias' song is using the word in verse 78 and 79, day spring. Verse 78 says, Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. This word day spring means sunrise. Or the dawn of a new day. People who were sitting in darkness and death and distress as they... Jesus came, it drove away the darkness. John the Baptist, when he came into the world, there was darkness all around. And he came to preach to a nation of Israel that was plagued by the darkness of a cold, dead formalism of the Pharisees, the darkness of the skepticism of the Sadducees, and the darkness of traditionalism of the rabbis, and the compromise of the Herodians. And John would come as the forerunner of the Messiah, and his preaching would be like a knife, cutting through all of that darkness and preparing the way for the dawning of a new day when the Lord Jesus Christ came. And so Zacharias is predicting and prophesying and singing this song of praise for the Messiah that the day spring has arrived. The dawn of a new day is here. Well, that was the first Christmas carol that we find here in this passage of Scripture but there's a second one, and that's the song of Mary in chapter 1, verses 39 to 55. Now, in this, this thing, we see, first of all, Mary is visiting Elizabeth in these verses of Scripture. It says, now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. They were cousins. 
And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. Now, the babe, of course, is John the Baptist, and it's been six months. She's six months along. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And also the Bible says that the baby, John the Baptist, was filled with the Spirit from the womb. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because uh, Elizabeth was knowing that, that she was with child as well, and she prophesied here. So Mary visits Elizabeth, and then Mary herself praises God. In verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. The word magnified in Latin is magnificat. So we hear of Mary's magnificat, which is really her praise to magnify the Lord. Verse 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. This is Mary's song of praise to the Lord. What is in this song of praise? I think as we look at three different divisions of Mary's song, first of all, she's praising God for what he's done for her, and then praising God for what he's done for all of them, and then praising God for what he's done for Israel. First of all, in these verses, she is overwhelmed of praise, and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, for he has done great things for me. What did God do for Mary? First of all, he saved her. Did you know Mary needed to get saved too? I know there's a certain uh, group of believers that think that Mary was sinless, that she had never sinned. And the Bible says she admits God is my Savior, and a Savior saves you from sin. She, even though she was pure, she, nothing sinful is recorded about her in this passage of Scripture. She, like all of us as human beings, need a Savior. So she, she praised God for saving her, but also praised God for choosing her. Imagine what a privilege it would be a poor teenage girl being chosen to be used by God to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine. What a job. What a job. Sometimes uh, we get chosen or hired for a job that's bigger than us. <laughs> How can you imagine anything greater to be chosen to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. She humbly thanked God for choosing her and also that he had regarded her. 
And she is just praising God for what he's done. I wonder, do you do that? Do you just stop and think for what God has done in your life? He's given you a family. He's given you a home. Uh, The shingles might have been blown off of it, but you still possibly have a home (laughs) or a FEMA trailer or something uh, of a reasonable. God has done so many things in my life, and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done for me. I mean, there's no way that I should be standing up here preaching to you. And maybe you say the same thing. There's, God has been better to you than you deserve. Is that right? Any, any amens there? I tell you, he's been better to me than I deserve. And Mary has this overwhelming praise to God. You've done great things for me. And that was part of her personal song. But she praises God for what he's done for all of us. In that second stanza of her song, she included all of God's people who fear him from generation to generation. We all have received his mercy and experienced his help. Mary named three specific groups to whom God had been merciful. The helpless in verse 51, the humble in verse 52, and the hungry in verse 53. Society was just as cruel then as it is today. It's not equal But one day, God is the one who's going to equal everything. God is the one who will vindicate every. So Mary saw the Lord turning everything upside down. The weak dethrone the mighty. The humble scatter the proud. The nobodies are exalted. The hungry are filled. The rich end up poor. She also praises God for what he's done for Israel. Through the... Through the child that she was to bear, God was being merciful to Abraham and his descendants. Remember, God God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a multitude. And the Messiah would be born through the, the Jewish nation. And he is fulfilling his promise. God has kept his word. And Mary's praising God for that. So Mary gives her song up to the Lord. And she stays three months with Elizabeth, and then she returns home in verse 56. Well, we're going to fast forward after Mary has the child. Next week, we'll get into the actual birth of the Lord Jesus. And on Christmas Day, we'll, we'll look at the great Christmas celebration in Luke chapter 2 with the angels and the shepherds. But today, I'd like for us to look at the third song here, and that's the blessing of Simeon and Anna after the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. First of all, verse 21, we notice in Luke chapter 2, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, As Jesus is born at eight days, they did the circumcision and the naming, just like they did to John the Baptist. And they offered the offering in the temple of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there's also in the scriptures they could have offered a lamb. 
But Joseph and Mary were poor. And you got to understand that they, they had nothing. They were just poor. And the law allowed this. Now, I know that if you look at a typical manger scene, the wise men brought gifts, gold. That's, that would uh, take care of some things. But the wise men had not come to the stable. Remember, it was a year and a half later they came to a house. So the wise men didn't bring the gold, frankincense and myrrh that they could sell for, for traveling expenses or for a lamb or something like that. So we see that they are poor and they offer this. And as they are doing this duty in the temple, a guy by the name of Simeon, who most likely was a prophet, he's not a priest here, He comes in and says, verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. In other words, I can die peaceful now. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples. Verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. God had promised Simeon that he would not die until he got to see face to face the Messiah. What a promise for this guy. And Simeon is is there in the temple and Jesus is there and I've seen, Lord, I praise you. I've seen your salvation. Jesus is named by him as Savior, the word Jesus means Jehovah saves. And we see that uh, Simeon acknowledged him as the Savior. In verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the rise, the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. Now, Simeon's song has three different things that I want to point. First of all, it's a song of salvation. I've seen your salvation. It's a light to the Gentiles, so it's also a missionary hymn. So the Lord Jesus Christ came to save his people, but also as a light to all the Gentiles, the whole world, not just for the nation of Israel and the glory of your people. So Simeon was making a prophecy about Jesus. And in his prophecy is included a stone. This child will be for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. The stone is an important Old Testament image. The Messiah would be the rejected cornerstone and the stone of stumbling for the nation of Israel. So as Simeon is making this prophecy. He's saying this child is going to be a stone. Many will stumble over him. And we see that in the nation of Israel. Even today, they still don't recognize Jesus as their Messiah. And also a, a stone of a rock that you could stand upon. So many will believe in him and others will reject him. So this one, it's all about what will you do with Jesus? Will you be like Pilate, washing your hands of this whole thing? Or be like those who believed in him? So he was going to be a stone, who is going to be a sign, and then also 
Simeon talked about a sword. Now, it says there in that verse 35, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul. Who is he talking to? Verse 34, Simeon is talking to Mary, not Joseph. He's talking to Mary and says, Mary, this child, a sword will pierce through you. What is he talking about? This, this sword's going to pierce through Mary. And why just Mary? Why not Joseph also? Well, the sword happened when Jesus came into the ministry. He was rejected. And of course, the sword refers to the pain and the torment Mary would have of watching her son die on the cross. That was the prophesied by Simeon. Why wasn't the sword piercing through Joseph's heart as well? Because if it was my son, it would break my heart as well as it would break Mary's heart. Because, you see, I believe that Joseph was, had died before Jesus came into ministry. I believe that he wasn't around. We don't see anything of Joseph after the Lord Jesus Christ got into his ministry at all. He was there uh, when he was 12, but later he wasn't. So most likely he was not even on the scene. But the sword spoke of the, the pain and the suffering that Mary would have to endure when the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross. But the praise of Anna is also given in verses 36 to 38. As Simeon was there and giving thanks to the Lord, now Anna... In verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess. She was a prophetess, uh, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Now, it, was, it doesn't mean that she was 84 years being a widow. She was a widow of about 84 years old. She didn't depart from the temple, but she served God with fastings, prayers, night and day. She was a, a, a lady that worked in service of the Lord. She, in her widowhood, she just spent her time taking care of things at the temple and praising God, praying and fasting. And then she got the privilege as Simeon was dedicating this child at the, at the, the circumcision, dedicating this child to the Lord. She came in and added her voice to this dedication, verse 38, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So she's singing praise to the Lord as Simeon is also praising the Lord, but she is saying, this is the one. You've been looking at the, the whole nation has been waiting for the Redeemer, been waiting for the Messiah. This is him. Anna was saying, this is the Messiah. She spread that good news among the other faithful members of the remnant who were waiting for redemption in Israel. What a beautiful song of praise. Well, I love Christmas carols. I love Christmas songs. And here we hear three Christmas songs. What is Zacharias' song about? As his tongue was loosed, he sang praise to the Lord and gave praise to the Lord for the day spring, the dawning of a new day. Folks, Jesus can be that for you. The political environment 
in Zacharias' day was darkness and coldness. The religion was dead. But the new day had come. Jesus can do that for you as well. You know, it, it, it might not be the, the, the world is going to change right now. It will one day when the Messiah comes, but your life can change. It can be a dawning of a new day when you accept Christ as your Savior. Mary's praise. What was Mary's song all about? God has done a great thing for me. Do you have that kind of a song of praise to God? Do you continually thank him and praise him for the things that he's done in your life? Not only for saving you, like Mary's praising God, but doing great things, providing for all my needs and all of the needs of the world. It's a song of personal praise. And then Simeon, a light for those who are sitting in the darkness. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem seems to hit a chord for us as well. We often say, where's the peace on earth? (laughs) Where's the goodwill towards men? I don't see much of it. When you see of the wars on the evening news and when you hear of fights in the streets and you say, well, there's no peace on earth. Where is that? I want to tell you where it is. Real peace is found in the Prince of Peace. One day when he comes down to this earth, there will be peace. But you don't have to wait till that day. When the Prince of Peace comes into your heart, he can give you a peace that passes all understanding in the middle of wars and turmoil. And when everything is shaken up, the Lord Jesus Christ can give you that wonderful peace that passes all understanding. But it only happens when you invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Oh, do you have a song to sing? Do you have a song to sing of praise to the Lord for what he's done? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we too, like those people at the first Christmas, we have a song to sing. And it's all about praise to our Lord for the Messiah's coming, for Jesus our Savior. I pray, Father, that if there's one here that doesn't have that song in their heart today, they don't have that praise to God because they've never experienced the new birth, I pray that, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would convict that soul about their need of inviting Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Give us all a song to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing.